Good afternoon, Tottenham fans, and welcome to our latest uh, Spurs podcast for Football London. Um, lots to discuss today. We've got um, obviously Luis Enrique um, talking about his Barcelona future last night, revealing that he's going to be leaving at the end of the season. What does that mean for Mauricio Pochettino? Um, as well as looking back at the Stoke game, plenty to talk about ahead of Everton too with Harry Kane's um, latest hat trick. Spurs writer Ali, Ali Gold with us this afternoon. Hello there. Good afternoon. And John Birchall is also joining us, um, a debut on the Spurs podcast, so welcome to John too. Hello. Um, we'll kick off then with the, the Pochettino talk, obviously Enrique revealed to the press following Barcelona's um, win last night that he'll be stepping down at the end of the season. Um, Jorge Sampaoli at Sevilla is still sort of widely regarded as being the favourite to take over there, but there have naturally been some links to Pochettino. What, what, what are your thoughts on it, Alistair, I guess? It's a strange one this time. Normally, Spurs fans, when it comes to Pochettino and any other job, start crapping themselves, quite frankly. And on this occasion, they're not. There's this real feeling, because of previous comments, that he won't, he wouldn't go to Barcelona. It's obviously it's the Espanol link. The famous comment he came out with, I think it was towards the end of the year, about you know when someone asked him about it before, oh, he started to laugh and then said, uh, I've got a bull in my arm, which is a reference to, uh, obviously, Espanyol and his time there and the fact that you know they're fierce rivals. But, uh, but, would, but would he be tempted? Because, well, let's, let's face wouldn't. it. That's the thing, you know, to manage Messi, you know, his fellow Argentine, possibly the greatest player in the game at the moment, Neymar, Suarez, Iniesta... It's, you, know, you could just list, run off this list of amazing players. And with Barcelona, they fit his style. You know, bringing young players through, that's what they want to do. They do make, obviously, big signings. But ultimately, unlike Real Madrid, it is about the, is it the, Messiah, the youth academy and uh, bringing them through as well. But Pochettino is supposedly a man of principle. Everything I've seen so far says so. Um, he's talked about his project at Spurs when linked with other staff and although he admitted it's not an easy project at Spurs would he oh, it's, it's maybe too early I'd say well that's the other side of the coin John I guess is does he you know obviously that, that would be a, a hugely tempting offer to him but does he want to see through this project with Spurs he started something very exciting Spurs fans um, we had a piece from a Spurs fan last night um, Lee Wilmot who was saying that during the 1990s, we had to go through um, a succession of very average players and very average squads. I think you're being kind. And very, average, a- very <laughs> average seasons, yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. Um, I'll, sp- I'll spare them uh, any <laughs> any more abuse, but uh, but yeah, Spurs right now have a settled squad. Had a really good season last year. This season, okay, Europe's not gone as planned, but Poch has started something. Does he? Should he want to see that through? I think so and I think it almost goes beyond Spurs in that yes Barcelona are arguably the biggest club in the world but I think if he's in the Premier League now the Premier League is more dominant than it's ever been financially will continue to be with the new TV deal that came into place this year he's he's a clever man Poch and I don't think he's someone who would jump ship too easily I don't think someone who's made such a focus on youth um, part of what he does part of his matchday squads and in his team I don't think someone does that just for the sake of it he clearly believes in the project he's gone to a place where they're building what's probably going to be the best stadium in the biggest biggest city in the country I think to move now would yes it's a huge opportunity but there's a huge opportunity at Spurs and I think he's he probably recognises that 
I think the stadiums a great point. Yeah. You know, a lot of the players talk about that, how they're desperate to be want to be here in eighteen months or so to play in that stadium. I don't think it's any different for Pochettino. You know, to walk out to be the manager that kind of sits in the dugout for the first time there, it'd be amazing. Do you think as well at the <clears throat> at the moment at Spurs he's he's in control of things. There's there's obviously a level of expectancy on him and you know the the lack the disappointments of Europe will have convinced him that he probably needs a, a, strong, a, a deeper squad and a stronger squad as well. We've spoken many times about the, the summer spending and, and you know this, this summer feels like a big chance to get it right. At Barcelona, it's going to be a completely different kettle of fish you know, entirely in that all of a sudden the expectancy level rises tenfold in that if you're not winning a title or... I mean, look at Luis Enrique, the PSG defeat has now ultimately cost him his job really Poch would be under a lot of pressure in that role whereas I'm not saying he's not under pressure of Spurs but the, the level of expectancy is you know completely different I think so I think so I think it's a great bit of leverage for Poch really yeah. especially if it drags on and they don't appoint anyone for a while essentially he can you know have Levy over a barrel as it were in the terms of he he can dictate almost what he wants this summer because if he doesn't then you know he can start putting some quotes out there start unsettling players as well if he really wanted to be a bit of a git um, Carl Walker's been linked with Barcelona exactly exactly you know and, and Loris in the past has been linked with Barcelona as well um, he's, it's definitely it's to his advantage so I mean we've got the press conference tomorrow I'd be shocked if he flat out denies it I think he'll it will just be vague and say, "Oh no, I'm happy. I'm happy," the here, game but not bit. actually flat out deny. You know, use it, use it. And I think the Spurs fans will probably be happy if he uses it as well because it might get some big name signings or maybe at least one in the summer. And I, I also think the bookies have him at second favourite after San Paoli. They're not daft either. They're they aren't completely writing it off. Antonio Conte. Uh, probably the most sought after manager in Europe now given the job that he's done at Chelsea on the top of his UVA job he's 40 to 1 he's com- there's no question about that happening for the drop to go so far down to Poch although the, the link with Espanyol and uh, the reasons Barcelona might go for someone currently in Spain or someone linked to the club like Ronald Koeman um, there must be something slightly there to not completely write it off at this stage I think mm, I think the other thing that counts against him slightly as well is he hasn't won anything it's Do Barcelona hire people that haven't won stuff? Unless they come through La Masia, like exactly, you said. Yeah. In, unless it's a homegrown guy, which they almost seem to have run out of now. They're kind of mm. reaching the stage in, yeah. in history where they're 20 years on from the team in the late 90s that were very poor. They've kind of gone past the dream team of 94 and until what Xavi and Iniesta are in a position to be managing yeah, the club. I think right. you, they're kind of reaching a bit of a gap where they're going to have to look, look outwards. Just on some of the the summer plans I guess for Spurs mm. obviously there's been a, a bit of a, a focus on incomings this week some reports that Poch will inform Levy of exactly who he wants where he wants to strengthen mm. in the summer um, but as a result there will have to be players that go we write, we had a piece from yourself yesterday about some of the players we expect Spurs to possibly let go this summer um, do you want to elaborate on, on yeah. why you why you think some of them will go? Yeah, it sparks quite a bit of debate and people getting rather angry with me, which, <laughs> which is no bad thing because it shows that they've got strong opinions on Spurs, which is great. But Because um, my biggest kind of casualty of the summer clear-out, and I think there will be a bit of a clear-out with those squad players, uh, was uh, Son. 
and that obviously would generate serious funds. Wolfsburg, when they registered their interest in him, I think it was previous deadline day in the summer, um, a year or so ago, talking about 20 to 30 million as a, as a bid, and you'd imagine, given given the TV deal and that coming into play, that Spurs would be able to charge top dollar for yeah, it. Yeah, and I think his season, he's had he's had a good season for a player that's not a guaranteed first-team starter. I think he's had a really good season, and I, I knock him sometimes because I feel he's one of those players... Give him a split second, he'll score you a goal. Give him three seconds to think about it and he'll miss it. And that's the thing with him. And I think he's come up with some big goals and some big misses. And I think... I think I was just going to say, I think the, the Liverpool chance at Anfield mm. springs to mind immediately. If he, score, if he scored it at that time in that game, it would have changed, changed things. There's a couple in the Champions League as well, which could have changed the whole season as well in terms of the European stuff. But he's, yeah, I think... And it sounds so cynical with a marketing view but obviously there's the Asian market that he brings with him as well um, and that's such a big thing and Spurs are always looking to kind of expand their markets and I think that's probably the only well not the only side that's unfair on him but that's a big pull in keeping him but it's also a big addition to the fee for other clubs if they wanted to bring him in you know so they, I think they could double their money on him Especially if a Bundesliga comes back in as a league, they're making a huge push for the Asian market at the moment. Uh, I think off the back of the likes of Kagawa uh, from Dortmund, which just him alone brought a huge, huge Japanese market interest into the Bundesliga. Their TV deal out in uh, out in the Far East has changed an awful lot. So I think there's an opportunity there for Spurs to cash in. I, I read Alice's piece, and it was interesting to me that there was a strong reaction. Uh, Spurs are having a fantastic season off the back of a fantastic season last year but they clearly need to take another step up they, they performance in Europe the fact that they couldn't quite get it over the line last season at some point you do just have to be quite ruthless well, and every Premier, every Premier League title winner has had a stage where there have been very good players very popular players who've had to have been cut loose because they just weren't quite there and I think Spurs need to get to that stage this summer yeah and I think that with Son um, and Spurs the stadium is going to cost it's a £750 million stadium and we've seen it before you know Arsenal being the key uh, kind of indicator down the road it's, you need money and Levy has admitted the money isn't there for, <coughs> for big um, transfers selling some like Son get him out the door it sounds, like you say it's ruthless get big money for him Put that to what you've got and bring in a big name. Someone that does take your first... That's the thing as well. It's getting your first 11 quality up rather than just improving the players around them. You know, sort that out. We, we had a big discussion about this in the mm. office prior to recording. I think we agreed that there, there are probably two positions in that 11 that you could feasibly say need... We kind of agree. Need an upgrade. <laughs> well, we agreed on one, we agreed we agreed on on one, one position them, yeah. and we completely disagreed on yeah. the other position. Um... So I think we both settled on the fact that a third centre-half, I think Eric Dyer, it's fair to say, not necessarily his fault. He's kind of been sort of the, I guess, kind of facilitating between the 3-5-2 and well, however you want to call yeah. it, 3-4-2-1, whatever, um, and, and playing the 4-2-3-1. He's kind of been the, the odd man out, dropping into defensive midfield. I think it's fair to say they could upgrade a centre-half. Now... I, be, talking about being ruthless, I, I've said that I still think Spurs could upgrade on Wanyama, which Oof. you you, Oof. you completely shot down straight away and said if there was a second, it would be for Ericsson. I, I still think, and I, 
the Liverpool game and the Chelsea game, probably prime examples of that with Wanyama. I, I still think against the very best, and okay, the game against Chelsea at White Hart Lane suggests otherwise, given how well he played against Kante, but I still think there's the odd performance in him where he's just a bit lacks as much as anything. I think the Champions League proved that a little bit as well. Oh, I think you're so harsh. I think the two kind of games you've brought up are probably the only two games that he's had a bit of a, a struggle. Because, you know, you could say Man City at home, it was fantastic as well. And like you say, Chelsea at home. If you... Pochettino wants one of those two anchor players to be a proper defensive anchor midfielder. And you can't get better than Wanyama I don't think other than maybe Kante 9 well, million 9 million Wanyama cost well, he's I, probably triple that now. I, I suggested another Southampton player Inorio Romeo because I think he's been absolutely brilliant this season I thought in the EFL Cup semi at, at Liverpool thought he was outstanding gave Southampton a platform and I think he'd be able to offer that for I, as much as anything I, as we've said so many times Last summer felt like spending for the sake of spending mm-hmm. in that buying Sissoko at the last minute, what was the rationale there? What, what was the thinking and, and strategy in terms of where he would play? Buying a player like Romeo, Winks is obviously a good option to come in and be something different to Dembele and Wanyama, but for me, I, I think having an alternative to Wanyama would, would possibly take his game to another level, and I think that's the key for Spurs this summer, is as you say, we've mentioned it previously, Paul Scholes spoke, speaks all the time about the fact every summer at Manchester United, Ferguson would bring in a player that would make every player stand up and think, hang on a minute, I think Van Nistelrooy is a prime example coming in off the back of Cole, York, Sheringham and Solskjaer being the front four, and they were slowly phased out on what signing he proved to be. So, you know, I think Spurs need to bring in players that are going to significantly add to the team this summer. But is Eric Dyer not... Wanyama's competition I, I don't think he can be no. sure, surely not I think when for a team that's winning the league or challenging for the league in earnest every season I think you have to have more than one or two players who could walk into the top sides around the world if you're going to win the Premier League I think if you look at Chelsea now the way that they're set up and the team that they have Kante could go and play anywhere and I think if you look at Spurs' midfield Deli Ali aside if he even classes a midfielder is there Dembele's getting on so he's an interesting one but would Wanyama realistically walk into any of the top sides across Europe I'm not quite sure he would in the same way that they're completely different players but Luka Modric was so clearly a A-class player I wonder is Wanyama quite that player how old is Wanyama out of interest he's 25 25 yeah, so yeah, he's, he's getting close to his peak he, he may improve but I think if you're that type of player maybe you get a couple more years of the full legs then you're thinking is he really the kind of person that you're going to build your, oh, your title charge harsh. over the next couple of seasons who other than Chelsea I think every other team in the Premier League would play him an interesting one I, 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 honestly I think he could even be in the Premier League team of the year that's, that's a bold I, the, think I, I think the problem you have then is then you if you look at the Premier League team of the year you're having a, a direct fight between Kante and Wanyama and that, as I say there's the argument that at White Hart Lane he completely bossed him I mean I 
Kante that day looked so out of sorts. He's probably his one performance for Chelsea this season where he's just not turned <coughs> up, frankly. Um, I might be being... I, we m- both might be being really harsh, but I I still think... If you you look at Rose and Walker, how crucial... I mean, Danny Rose's absence recently, Spurs have really felt that, Massively, and that's, yeah. that's key. Um, obviously, there have been some whispers about Luke Shaw this week. Interesting to know what you think about that. Um, Carl Walker as well. We discussed last week that Trippier's been in brilliant form. Mm-hmm. Still can't oust someone like Walker. Alderweireld and Vertonghen... You know, renowned as probably the strongest centre half partnership there is. Luis, solid as anything in goal. I like, really like Dembele, Ali, and Eriksen. Kane, Wanyama is the one for me. That they, they, they needs. There is an upgrade there. I, I firmly believe that. There are players across Europe. Naby Keita, someone that's been Liverpool and Arsenal, have been linked with him this week. Been really impressed with him in the Bundesliga. I think someone like him could come in and and give that give that much needed competition in there. Oh, I think you need a water carrier, you know. As um, was it Cantona who said that about Deschamps? Cantona, I mean. Yeah. yeah, you need that in a team, and that's when Yama has come in and it's been a revelation for Spurs. I don't even think we can, you know, go overboard. He's do, do you worry in in the Liverpool game? Going back to that at Anfield, when he received the ball off the back four. Do you worry about his dis? I know his primary role in that team is not to be a distributor, but when you've got teams like Liverpool, and of course that's going to be an issue in Europe when they come up against various different tactical um, managers and systems, do you worry that he's a player that can distribute effectively when he has to take the ball off the bat four and get, get the team moving? I think his weakness is pressing sides. Yeah, when, Spurs, when players teams play the Spurs game against Spurs, he is probably the one that they would target. Finally, we're getting through to him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, get, I get that. I get that. I just don't know whether that. Oh, I don't know. It's so tough to find a destroyer that can also have that distribution. Yeah, I, I think on that point, Pochong when Yama had to dry that day, you've got two of the best ball playing centre halves uh, in the league, in the in Europe, uh, in Vertonghen and Alderweireld. I think you have enough distributors. Loris is a fantastic passer of the ball as well. To try and play out of the back, and I know that's the Spurs way. But to try and play out the back against Liverpool team, who are so fit and so good at pressing, I don't put that on Wanyama. I say that's a failure of the system. I think you recognise that you're going to have weaknesses in the team, which it, that's Wanyama's. And when he's at home and he's given given a bit more time on the ball, he can completely run games. I think more of that has to go on the manager and not using his players to the, to the best. We're... Um We'll rapidly run out of time, so I'm just con- just conscious that we don't want to make this a, a Victor Wanyama <laughs> special podcast today. Um, so we'll we'll flip it back to the Stoke game. Harry Kane scores another hat trick, his third in nine games, I believe. Um, it's a stunning run of form he's on, and yet you wrote the piece this morning that there's still the, almost a failure to recognise him amongst the very elite. Why? It's the ultimate argument, I suppose. How do you you know, how do you decide who is a world-class player? Is it someone that plays for a big side, wins lots of trophies maybe because they're in a big side and they're naturally going to have more of a chance to do that? Is it someone that does well at international level, you know, wins a World Cup or, you know, like Ronaldo gets to the European finals and wins them? Or is it just someone in a striker's case that just scores a hell of a lot of goals? Well, Alan Shearer, who today tipped Kane to 
break his record would it would have you know that Sergio Aguero is still the only world class player in the Premier League but Kane beating Shearer's record I mean I, I look at the strikers around the Premier League at the moment and you look at it in terms of age profile and regular sort of you know, goal scoring output only Kane and Lukaku who obviously meet this weekend look like the two in my mind John that can probably probably achieve it yeah I, I think Kane's a more complete player than Lukaku and I, I love it. Lukaku I think he's a fantastic prospect I think Kane as he is now he's a world class striker I don't know how you can possibly argue against it he's coming up against well, look at the state of Serie A beyond two or three elite clubs I think Kane is coming up against fantastic defenders fantastic managers every single week and is consistently delivering I, I, as someone who isn't a Spurs fan I'm baffled by just how little it's being appreciated what Kane's doing this season I think the big the big question was how can he push on from what was an incredible season last year um, he's doing it and yes he had a, a dip in form at the start of the season whether that's a Euros hangover he's still an incredibly young man as well I think what he's doing is, is quite exceptional um, and yeah Shearer's comments are baffling to me um, he clearly didn't think that much of himself if he thinks Kane's going to break his own record yeah. Do you think though it still remains kind of the only elephant in the room I guess with, with the the argument on Kane is is goals against the very very top sides I mean the, the record against the top the rest of the top six this season isn't particularly great away at Manchester United obviously scored at the Emirates but away at Manchester United okay Spurs didn't really turn up that day but Liverpool as well um, the Chelsea game he's he's had away from home more so than at home he's had difficult days against the, the very top and, and in Europe as well mm. I, I don't know whether that's more a team failing and the service he's got. I mean, to be fair to Kane, I think United's the only team he hasn't scored against out of that big kind of six over I th- I recent think years. Is it United and Cardiff are the only two Premier League teams he's yeah, faced? Could be right, yeah, and he hasn't he has, scored. Which is, which is phenomenal. Yeah, and it's um, interesting, you know, we talk about Aguero. Last year, Kane scored more than him. This year, he scored more than him. And it was, it was only a couple of goals behind him in the, the first year. You know, like John says, he's world class. He just is. He does his job. He scores goals. And how many players, you know, bring superstar players from other leagues into our league that haven't done it? You know, Shevchenko, Kluivert going back, Falcao. You know, it's an incredibly tough league to score goals in. Absolutely. I, 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 I think that it boils down purely to the fact that he plays for Spurs. I think it, mm, you know, could be. Larice as well. I think a lot of people would recognise him as one of the top goalkeepers in this division, but there's still probably a little question mark in the back of people's heads that can he really prove it against the elite? But is that really fair when Spurs haven't always, through some fault of their own this season, and not progressing through a relatively easy Champions League group? But until they can really test themselves against Barcelona's, Real Madrid's, Bayern Munich's of this world in that competition, can we really judge them on that? Look at the last world-class player, widely regarded world-class player Spurs have had, it's Gareth Bale. And I think there's two two key differences. One, he's not had an inter-game like Bale where he announced himself on that kind of stage. I think that's part of it. And there's also, with all due respect to Harry Kane, he's a very nice, polite, interesting engaging fella <laughs> he's not the best looking bloke in the world he's not easily marketable 
Uh, I think when you look at Gareth Bale came on the scene, he was a good-looking fella. He was athletic. He had the little heart celebration. I think Kane is someone who's he loves Spurs. He is very, very Spurs in the way that he is and how he loves the club. I think if Kane looked different and he was a face for Adidas or whatever it is, I think people would be talking him in a completely different bracket. It took Luka Modric, I'd argue, to go to Real Madrid and be playing in the Clasico and playing for Real Madrid before people really recognised just how incredible he was as a player. You look at it with other kind of unfashionable players who go to La Liga, Rakitic for one, um, players who don't quite look the part sometimes don't get the credit they deserve and I think that might be the case with Kane. I think Deli Ali is someone who probably fits the bill as a more marketable character. Um, I think you're probably going to get more kids wanting to grow up and look and be like Deli Ali than you are Harry Kane. It doesn't make him it doesn't make him less of a footballer. Absolutely. Um, plenty of the plenty of the pre-match talks are obviously going to centre around this whole Kane v Lukaku um, argument, I guess. I think there's I think there's probably just an appreciation of how, how great both of them are yeah. performing at the moment. But that is kind of one of the central talking points. It's a difficult game for Spurs this week, and though Everton are on a roll at the moment. Mm. I think they're nine unbeaten, aren't they, Everton, since the... Um, uh, More points in 2017 than any other Premier League club so far this year. It's going to be a great test. It is, but then these are the kind of games Spurs need to win if they want to at least finish second this year, which they should have done last year. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Ross Barkley as well. You know? Absolutely. Playing whether he could fit into the Spurs system. Every time I've seen Ross Barkley play Spurs, he's bossed the game. Even when Everton have lost, he's still run the midfield. The one all at the start of this season, mm. for instance. Oh, he was he was actually I think he put in the um, essentially it was his free kick into the box that went all yeah. the way through, yeah. Um, personally I think he'd be brilliant under Pochettino. I think he's exactly the kind of player that Pochettino can bring on. Me and, me and John said pre recording. This is well, I, I think we agreed on this. I, I personally think Deli Alley and Ross Barkley could be the Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard of our time Ooh. in terms of I, I don't know how they would coexist behind Harry Kane or whatever system Poch would have in mind. It's the kind of signing, absolutely agree, that would you know, raise raise performance levels ten percent around the whole around the midfield, but mm. I do worry personally about how they would function together. The only thing I'd say, and this is only on personal viewings of Barkley, is that he does have a tendency to drift a little deeper than Ali, whereas Ali is always on the edge of that box all the time. And that was the problem with Lampard and Gerrard, they both wanted to be on the edge of the box. Mm. And I think with those two, you do actually have two players that naturally might find each other behind slightly, you know, in different roles. Would Barkley, would you want him in one of the, would you want him in the kind of Ericsson role or would you want him slightly oh, deeper? Now you're asking, you know, <laughs> well, do I take out the top assist you, maker you thought, in the Premier League? You thought you'd got away with that one, <laughs> didn't you? But Ericsson was the, the one other player that you earmarked as potentially susceptible. Oh, I really like Christian Ericsson. I think when on his day, he's one of the most creative players in the Premier League, where he clearly is the most creative player. Come on, the where's moment. the caveat? Come on. <laughs> But <laughs> he does have these spells where he like oh for much of the first maybe even half of the season he just didn't turn up in certain games. It was almost like I think it was possibly Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. He suddenly woke up, and even though they lost Spurs, he was brilliant that day. He scored a fantastic goal, and ever since then he's kind of gone on this run. But still, set pieces gone to pot. 
you know, hasn't scored from a direct free kick, I think it's something like 550 days or something, and that for a player who is renowned for his free kick taking, and his corners regularly, uh, actually, actually, I'm going into an Ericsson bashing area here, which I really didn't want to go on, we were talking about Barkley, I think you need competition in those places behind Kane, as we said earlier, you need players that are going to make the other first 11 players worry for their places, bring in Barkley, and essentially, you know, you've got Lamella, Ericsson, Barkley, Ali, possibly Son, if we haven't sold him to bring in Barkley. And I think that's that's an incredible four to rotate. I think the interesting thing from an Everton perspective with Barkley is he seems a much more complete, disciplined player now than he was 12 months ago. I think Martin has, I think one of the great failings that Martin has had at Everton is he didn't know what to do with a player who was so creative and wanted to be like you say dropping deep being all over the place Martinez didn't know how to deal with that I think what Koeman's done very well is bring discipline to his game so when he needs to sit back and protect Tom Davis for example he can do and he's doing that a lot more I think he's he's put weight on but in the right places I think there's, his fitness has been questioned in the past whereas now he looks strong and a bit beefier um, and a lot more intimidating to opposition players I think he's a, he's a lot more of a Spurs type player now than he was 12 months ago um, in that he, he had discipline he would do what Poch told him to do um, whether, whether Everton had let him go is an interesting one I think it goes to show in what three, four, five years just how far Spurs have come that they're looking at an Everton game and thinking we should be scouting their best players rather than their are equals I think it really goes to show just how, how much Spurs have moved on beyond that kind of second tier club they're now very much in, in the top set so how do we see it going this weekend? Do you, do you, you were quite outspoken after the Stoke game, reverting back to three at the back. Well, continuing with three mm. at the back. How much of a success that was and how it got the best out of Kane and the players around him. Do you expect him to continue with that? I think he has to. I really do. It, it, like you say, it, it brings out the best in pretty much all the players. Maybe barring Ben Davies, is probably the only one that slightly struggles in that formation. But he played well against Stoke. And... Maybe that will give him the confidence, and I think that formation he just oh he just has to stick with it. It it works it works for Eric Dyer. You know he's got Alderweireld and Tongan alongside him. He looks much more assured, and it just gives the platform for Spurs to kind of launch attacks. Whereas sometimes if the back four they kind of get bogged back in the back in the back, back end of the pitch and they don't go anywhere. Whereas this way you've got the wingers flying up the side or wing, uh, wing backs, and it's. I love it. I love it quite frankly, that formation. What do you think is going to go this weekend? Um, Spurs are the better team. Um, I don't think there's any question. And I think Everton have, Everton have been playing fantastically well and there's a re- there is a real buzz around Everton at the moment. Um, it, it's, a, it's a great test for Lukaku in that he's coming up against the best centre-half partnership. Uh, I don't quite know what their tactics will be, but he's coming up against the best defence in the country as far as I'm concerned. It's a defence that can't be bullied particularly easily as well, and I think that's where he he makes hay, um, cut Lukaku out of that Everton team, and they're really struggling. So um, that's going to be a fascinating battle. If Lukaku comes out on top, then the question starts: Is he the best striker in the league? His fellow Belgians will know him well as well, yeah, of course. Very true. Yeah. But also, Everton's defensive record isn't too bad either. I think only Chelsea, Spurs, um, and United have conceded less goals than Everton this season. So. They're not exactly an easy nut to crack either. Um, it's going to require Kane to be on the kind of form he was on last weekend. They will, but it is at White Hart Lane. 
Spurs just cannot stop winning there. Predictions then, lads. Al is there up first. Oh, I hate the predictions. I do. What did, I do. You, what did you go with ahead of Stoke? I can't remember. I'll say 4 0, but I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're still wrong then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I will go for 2 oh, 1. I think Lukaku will get a goal. I think Spurs will win. 3 uh, 0, Spurs. Well, I'm. Um, I'm erring on the side of caution and I'm going to go for 1-0 Spurs I do think they'll win but I think it will be a very very tight game and I think um, Idrissa Garnagay as well in midfield I think Deli Alli's going to find it difficult to kind of get away from, from him he's been brilliant this season so I think, um, I think it's going to be a tough test for Spurs this weekend mm. but um, sadly we've run out of time um, for this week's podcast Um We'll have plenty of Spurs news to follow though on www.football.london. Um, give us a follow on Twitter as well, at Spurs underscore FL, and uh, we're on Facebook, Spurs um, football.london. Um, and yeah, stick around for plenty more um, preview stuff ahead of the Everton game. Alice there will be at the presser tomorrow, and um, we'll be covering that live and, and having plenty of exciting stuff over the next couple of days. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>